if, if we have expectations that aren't communicated, you're setting you and whoever else up for failure. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you believe in life after addiction? You better believe it. Now, the host of Life After Addiction. That's right. Welcome back, Life After Addiction. This is episode 17. If you're keeping up with it, if you're not, I hate your guts. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Subscribe to the podcast. No. That's a little harsh. That is a little harsh, but today we're talking about some harsh things. That's right. We are. Today we're talking about expectations, and and primarily we're going to talk about... um, expectations of guys going home. Uh, so if you're just getting home and you're watching this, want to touch on that guys going home after treatment, but also we'll probably talk to the parents or loved ones of the person coming home and have expectations. But I think we'll probably end up rolling into because biblical principles are biblical principles. We'll probably end up rolling into um, how to make sure we're having the correct expectations in, in, in general. Like, yeah. you know, cause man, we could talk about expectations really causing a lot of harm when you set up false expectations or expectations in your head and you don't communicate those and someone lets you down and you secret there's a we talk about this forever and so expectations of um someone a man a woman coming home from treatment and they're coming home to their family their hometown their house their whatever their wife their parents whoever it may be their kids lead us in yeah so one of the most difficult things for me, and I know I've said this on numerous podcasts, but if it's someone's first time tuning in, I went through S2L three times. And one of the toughest things for me going home was just seeing the devastation and the pain and the destruction um, that I had done and caused in my family's mm-hmm. lives. You know, that's a tough pill to swallow. Um, I encountered the Lord at S2L. Um, I got saved at S2L. Um, I, I experienced him in his fullness for the first time going through this program. Um, and so I guess subconsciously, maybe consciously upon leaving here, you know, um, that good feeling in my faith that I had and just being around brothers and, you know, chasing the things of God. Um, you don't forget about the things you have done. It just feels you're in, you're in a, a spiritual high season, you know? Yeah. Um, and so whenever I, I left here, man, and, um, I went home after the second time, and I want to preface this with my parents did nothing wrong. They're not the reason I ever got high again, anything like that. It was my hardened heart and me refusing to let go of certain things that I was holding on to. But I remember just just looking at them. And you know when you're talking to your loved ones, whether it be your son, your wife, your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, just that kind of that look of defeat, you know, uh, that lack of trust, that questioning, all the things associated um, with who I was how I was living, you know? Um, and what it caused me to do was, man, I immediately got back into an identity issue and that forgiven, redeemed, renewed, new creation, Ryan immediately turned into, well, let me take that coat off and put on this trench coat of shame and guilt because I deserve it. If my family hasn't healed, if my family is still scarred, if my family does not have any joy yet, if they can't trust me yet, if they're still feeling and experiencing pain, then who the heck am I to come home joyful and feel peace and feel redeemed and feel renewed? And I know that's just um, how the enemy, you know, uh, confuses us and just manipulates us. But nonetheless, it, it, it felt real in that moment. 
You know, I had never yeah. known the Lord prior to that, so I didn't know what going home after finding Christ looked like. Uh, but that was tough for me, seeing the devastation that I had called and the, caused and the pain in yeah. my family's faces. And I, I'll tell a story real quick. I remember, I don't remember exactly how long I waited to leave, um, but I, I knew I gave it probably a, a couple weeks or so because I knew that they would be fearful of whenever I left the house, what I was doing, where I was going, who I was going to be hanging out with. And rightfully so. Yeah. I mean, rightfully so. But I remember coming home that first night I had tough, left. Man. It is. And I got home. I think my curfew was like 12. And so I get home and I lock the door, uh, front door. I go into the kitchen and I turn the pantry light on, get me a snack, go to the fridge to get me um, some food. And I remember, and my dad watches this, so he's probably not laughing right now, but it, we can we can laugh about these things now. Right. But they come out of the room and, you know, they turn the front uh, front room light on. They turn the living room light on. They turn the kitchen light on. And I think to them it was kind of like subtle, you know, but to – the person on the other end, it's like, okay, they're trying to see if I'm high. My mom gets hugs me and gives me a kiss to smell me, and they're looking at me. And this I just is at midnight. Did, yeah, this is around midnight, <laughs> yeah. and I, I'm, I just remember thinking, man, it, it like, and it's nothing they did. Once again, I want to preface that, but I just remember feeling kind of defeated in that moment, like, man, I really for so many years let it get so bad that it's like, it's come to this right here. Um, and so anybody going home, you know, don't put, like Adam said, these false expectations of like, just because I encountered the Lord in the mightiest of ways and the change and the transformation that has occurred is real and authentic. It still takes time to walk these things out in front of the people that we love and rightfully so. And don't get so defeated if that trust is not there immediately, if the communication um, is a struggle at first, if everybody doesn't forgive me immediately, you've got to understand those things take time. And we have the privilege of going to a Christ centered program. We, we call it a spiritual discipleship retreat is, is what we're doing here, you know. And we forget that, man, my family was still at home going to and from work every day, still paying bills, still dealing with the hardships of just life in general. And they didn't get to take a time off from all those things and be submerged in the presence of the Lord, be submerged in the gospel, go to devotionals every morning and spiritually based classes and go to church four or five times a week. So their healing and time frame of that healing is going to look different than mine. And I've got to not set those you know, unrealistic expectations of what it should look like when I get home. Yeah. And, and I think I'm going to add to that and probably say a lot of the same stuff, but, but if you're listening to this, this doesn't relate, you're not in rehab or you're maybe you're out for a long time and you're just wanting some encouragement, uh, apply this concept to any of your expectations, any of your, uh, things that you see yourself putting expectations on, because sometimes it's, it's unhealthy and so kind of dialing into the specific thing that we're talking about. So the guys here at S2L uh, are almost in a hope-filled bubble, right? And it's that's by design. And the aspect of, man, hope is powerful. The power of Christ is uh, incredible. And, man, the, the, the campuses that we have um, and the atmosphere that God's created through his presence, but yeah. his people and the redemption and the grace and the mercy that we've seen there— it's just a special place, man. Yeah. I will never apologize for that being a bubble, uh, quote unquote, because it's just a special place. But 
spending six weeks there, spending 12 weeks there, spend however much time you spent there going home. You've got to understand that the chaos that you've created is still there, right? Uh, whether that be, uh, wife and kids or mom and dad or sister or whatever, whatever the situation you're going back to, if they were in your life before you came to a program, uh, there's chaos, there's decay, there's, there's, um, sin only kills, steals, and destroys. The wages of sin is death. And so death to all those relationships, death to your trust, death to your, um, your, whatever, your, your, all of that. And so going home, know that, be confident in who Christ says you are. And, and I guess before I go into what I think you should act like, uh, and, and your posture and your stance, I'll preface it with this, and I don't want this taken out of context, but it's true, and, and I'll say it, but I'll lead into what I'm about to really discuss. There is a there is a moment that you don't allow yourself to become a punching bag, um, because even though we've hurt family and they're very hurt and it's our fault, sometimes that's unhealthy the way they're treating you, and not that you rebuke them or anything, but you can remove yourself from that. Um, if it's, if it's an unhealthy and you're now just a punching bag, you need to, you need to give space. You need to give more time for healing and all of that. Now, with that being said, here's what I want you to know. You need to come home and apply the same grace to your family or loved one that God has shown you. Because like I said, you caused all that. You caused all that lack of trust. You caused all that chaos. And man, and I'll even tell you this. The lack of trust is deeper than what you think. It wasn't you just stealing money. It wasn't you just using up your savings account when you and your wife's savings account. The feelings and emotions that my wife felt, and I would imagine many of our guys' wives or husbands, if you're a female, you know, the spouse felt, is the exact same feelings that are involved to a degree with an affair. Meaning I love drugs more. My attention was on drugs mm. more. My phone call, I mean, my wife thought I was having an affair. She had no clue it was drugs. And so to have those feelings of betrayal, which it was betrayal, to have those feelings of manipulation, to have those feelings of seeing someone not who you thought they were, there is consequences to that. There is um there is fruit that we put. There's good fruit in our lives, but there's bad fruit. Whenever we're planting seeds, there's going to produce fruit. And the life that you lived produced a fruit that was not good. And so have grace for them. Lavish grace upon them. Be humble. Allow any, any um, uh, accountability that there is. A man who hides nothing has nothing to hide. And so you allow that. And watch trust in these things grow back. Again, I preface the punching bag. I'm not saying that, but I, I am bringing it up to you. Allow yourself to have grace, show grace towards them, and be submissive to any accountability that you want. I don't care that he was a 20-whatever-year-old man. If his family said, hey, you need to be home by midnight, by golly, you better be home by midnight. Why? Because it's their home. That's right. And they're telling the 20, a grown man to be home by midnight. One, because it's their home. Two, because of the 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 pain that, that we've caused. And so please understand the concept. Like I said, bubble, but when you go home, they haven't been in a bubble. I, I do encourage, and we encourage families while their guys are getting help here, you get help. You go see Christian counseling, you get help because it needs to be a family healing. 
but they haven't been in the bubble day in and day out, as he said, your devotions and for mm-hmm. fellowship and, uh, I mean, classes about G, uh, all the church services. I mean, we go to more, you'll go to more church services in six weeks with us than you maybe did your entire life coming to us yeah. um, in some scenarios. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of my plea. That's kind of my, um, I guess, wake-up call. And, and now, can you want to add to that or should I address the other side of that? I'll piggyback off that real quick. Yeah, please. And it's just like realizing that trust, communication, restoration, and the relationships um, with our family is going to take time. You know, we talk about it before, but we've hardwired our brains, you know, to desire instant gratification. So when I get home, I desire forgiveness. I desire for things to go back to normal. I desire to love each other like we used to. I desire for you to trust me. I desire for our communication to be where it should be. It's like, can you not see my heart? Right, exactly. I'm not that guy anymore. Like, I, I've been gone for six weeks. I've yeah. been following Jesus for six weeks. They've I know. been telling me I'm a new creation. Why don't you see that? Right. I get it. And I get it. Yep. And so we hardwire that. And then whenever that doesn't happen, you know, I, my, I get this, you know, my, the wind in my sails is deflated and something I wrote down here, you know, and something that I experienced and realized, um, through Christ is just when true transformation occurs, I no longer felt the desire to prove or convince others that I had truly been changed. Yeah. I I no longer felt that desire before when I'd get out of recovery, you know, I, w- I would feel this longing and desire to, to show people, to prove, to convince them to, to do these things. And I think a part of that subconsciously was knowing that I wasn't fully done yet. I wasn't fully done yet. So when that true transformation occurred, I no longer, not in a negative sense or a spiteful sense, no longer cared what my loved ones or even anybody in my life cared about me, but it was because, man, I knew that I knew that I knew I had been transformed yeah. and I could walk in that truth. And some, a verse that reminded me of that is just Matthew five sixteen, And it says in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. And I mean that in a sense, naturally and organically, not, not walk this out in front of you so that it can be seen. No, but when it comes from a true genuine place, Man, the discernment the Holy Spirit is going to give them, the fruits that I bear in my life is going to be evident to a place where I don't have to no longer convince my mom I'm not getting higher, talk to my dad and assure him I'm okay. Man, that naturally and organically is going to be a process that happens. Yeah, yeah, and and <clears throat> and I can confer, concur with that. And when you said, I know that I know in my mind, I just want to be, I know that I know that I know that I know Come that on, I know. Hey. What was that? What song is that? I don't. I. I mean, when it's sang like that, I have no idea. Well, I mean, that, was, that was pretty identical to the actual song. I have no idea. You know what song it was? Okay, thanks for back there. <laughs> I wish maybe someone in the room had Google. Pull up the definition anyways, of joy real quick. Anyway, oh, Lord help. <laughs> anyways, anyways, anyways. Pull up the def- definition of flood insurance for churches. See how much that. Anyways, oh, we're, we're steering back on track here. Because it is an important topic, and, and I want to talk, and just real briefly, to the parents, yeah. or to the wife, or to the loved one. And I understand the space that I'm about to enter into as as the one who struggled with the addiction and caused the pain to the family. I know what I'm about to walk into might have you, if you are the loved one, the parent, the loved one, the wife, the husband. If you are that person, I'm aware of what I'm about to engage into and how that can make you feel. But I plead with you. 
um, just with the authority of God's word, with the decade of experience, with just the transformation and the, the pastoral role that God's given me that I just ask you for a moment to have ears to hear, and I'm not going to come hard at you. I think the expectation for you is not, not I'm not asking you to, um, man, I'm not even asking you that, that you're, that they're fully forgiven and that they're fully trustworthy. And that they're, they're, I'm not asking you to do any of those things, but the expectation that I would encourage you to have and to ask yourself is when they are on their way home, when they're about to be home or they're coming home in a week or whatever it may be, are you willing to be in the process of allowing them to earn trust back? Ask yourself that I'm not to trust them, but I'm willing to engage in the hard work and the process of allowing them to earn that trust back. And I do mean earn, right? I do mean your, their phone is at your disposal. I do mean, if you've mentioned the word drug test, they're willing to take it on the spot. I do, I do mean earn, I do mean earn, but if you're not, if you can honestly have that conversation with you and your spouse or whoever it may be, having that honest conversation, am I in a place that I'm willing to allow them to earn? Because it, a lot of times the answer is no, mm. if we're honest. And if the answer is no, there is, there is that you're not willing to allow them to earn it. There is a lot of healing and pain and bitterness and resentment that is, has not been healed. And, and it's not even in the process of being healed in your heart. And I think that there could be, there could be a lot more damage than good. Uh, there could be setting these men or women up for failure if you're not in a place to be willing to allow them to earn it back. That's all I'll say. Uh, I, I, I'll tell you this. If you've never smoked a cigarette, drank a beer, had a drug, said a cuss word in your life, I want to tell you I know that we're all jacked up. And God knows our thoughts. And so I know that we're all in need of God's grace. Now, I'm going to leave the families alone because I know the space I was entering in there was uncomfortable territory. But I want to talk briefly also just about on any expectations. Yeah. And, and I'll give examples. Having, I don't really want to say false expectations, but having some kind of expectations that's not communicated can be devastating for a relationship, an organization, a friendship, life. Here's what I mean. Here's a silly example. And, and my wife is something that God really worked on her heart early in our marriage. She trusted me a hundred percent at this point. Um, not early in our marriage. I'm sorry. Early in this side of addiction, she started to trust me after however many might've been years, but then God was working on her heart and her expectations. And because what that can do is create resentment. I had an expectation that I didn't communicate about a trip that we went on, about a date that we were supposed to go on, about a whatever it may be. And she taught me this. She told me how God redeemed her. And I was like, man, that's actually, I need to preach on that at some point. So I'm doing it now. I'm talking about it. If, if we have expectations that aren't communicated, you're setting you and whoever else up for failure, Right. Uh, and, and realistic expectations. Like yeah. if, if, if it's, if it's something that you're going through in life, whether you've battled an addiction or not, and you think that something is supposed to be this way, this church I'm going to, I saw it online. I've heard people talk about it. I'm going to it with the expectation that I'm going to be and receive this. Okay. One, make sure your expectation lines up with God's word and you're not going to be entertained. And I don't know why I'm giving specific examples because I go down rabbit trails. No, that's good. But if I have an expectation of something, one, make sure it's in line with the Bible. Because I don't think expectations are sinful. I think uncommunicated, false, or unrighteous expectations are very damaging. 
And so making sure on all of the concepts that we talked about with the mm-hmm. guys coming home and with the family, how to deal with that, apply it to this as well. Um, am I, am I in a position that I could show grace because of the things I've done because of God showing me grace? Am I in a position that I can allow something to do that? So um, apply the same concepts to that and know that if you're not in a place, if you're in a, if you constantly have a picture in your mind, that's unmet, there might be spiritually something happening inside of you that you're, you you have some unmet dealt with things. And I'm not, I'm not trying to eat anyone's lunch or, or, um, step on anyone's toes right now. I'm just trying to help us live a more Christ-like life and be joyful, as we talked about a few episodes. Yeah. Man, a few episodes now, but like, like check check your heart and know that, man, I have this picture of what this event's supposed to look like, what this day's supposed to look like, what this class is supposed to look like, and just make sure it's in line with God's word and his and His principles. And and if it's not, and you find yourself constantly frustrated, angry, resentful stressed out, like not fulfilled, maybe it is something going on in your heart and there needs to be grace applied somewhere. There needs to be um, a willingness to at least engage in the process of someone um, earning it back or, or not. We're not kind of past the trust thing, but you're in the process of knowing that my expectation doesn't have to be met and I'm going to engage in this experience. I, I'm kind of babbling now, but it is a, it is a principle that we can discuss on all sides, not just addiction because Having the right expectations uh, can change everything. Mm. Having the wrong expectations can be damning to everyone. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that leads me into to, to my next, you know, expectation. Um, I don't know if you'd call it an unrealistic expectation. Probably so, at least for me personally. But just understanding that my faith isn't just a good feeling. Mm. You know, that's something I was very naive to. Um, upon mm. completing the program that I didn't really realize, but I'll tell, I'll tell each and every one of you, you know, following Christ does not prevent bad things from happening. You yeah. know, it doesn't prevent devastation. It doesn't prevent destruction. It Loss. doesn't prevent evil from, from affecting you in some sort of way, but we do absolutely have an assurance and hope in him that he will get us through those things. And we keep our eyes fixed on him. But you know, I went through this program and I was just on this spiritual high. I mean, just floating. We call it the pink, the pink cloud. You know, you're just floating through just nothing. You've never experienced anything like it. And then I went home and you realize like, man, okay, my faith doesn't feel like it did at us too well. Not to say you can't have spiritual highs, not to say you won't. It just feels different once you get outside what we call the bubble, you know. Um, and I just want to I want to read what biblical faith actually is. And so yes, I have two so passages um, in Hebrews that remind us what biblical faith is. So Hebrews ten twenty one through 23 says, since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And then I'm going to read Hebrews 11, 1, and it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. And the commentary on these verses was just too good, so I wrote it down. And it says, Biblical faith is a confident trust in the eternal God who is all-powerful, infinitely wise, and eternally trustworthy. 
the Lord our God is he who has revealed himself in his word and in the person of Jesus Christ, whose promises have been proven true from generation to generation and will never leave nor forsake us. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. That is what biblical faith is. Is And I actually have children just reading that because it's something I can even forget today. If I'm honest, man, I can forget that. And it's so so important to realize, okay, when I'm struggling with faith, when I'm struggling with doubts, when my faith doesn't feel like it did at S2L, what is biblical faith? Mm. And I promise you, when you read verses like these, they will resonate with your spirit. Because like we talked about a few weeks ago, his spirit, his spirit bears witness with our spirits. And so when I read these verses on biblical faith, man, it gives me confidence regardless of my circumstances, regardless of my surroundings, my situation. Yes. My spirit says yes to that biblical faith. Yes. That's exactly where my hope lies. Yeah, man. That's so good. That's so good. Carl's face. He just hit it with that hitter. I'll, I'll tell you this, that, and that kind of brings it to uh, your expectations. What mm-hmm. is your expectation of who God is? Mm-hmm. What is your expectation of what getting saved means? What is your, what is your expectation of some of the theology that we learn? This all matters. Mm-hmm. If it's wrong expectations, your whole understanding of Christianity, who God is, is off. And, I mean, we, we talked about this on another show that we recorded for someone else today. But it's almost like this this prosperity gospel has, has poisoned Christianity with this false expectation of uh, come to Jesus and get this. When biblical, biblical history and, and God's Word says, come to Jesus and you got everything. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that you have anything on this earth. Right. In fact, all of the disciples of Jesus died badly. Badly. In fact, they were beaten to a pulp, but they would leave. Here's the cool thing. It's not, I'm not, it's, it's not good scenarios. The expectation wasn't, hey, you're going to have health, wealth, and um, whatever. Yeah. Happy marriages. That's yeah. not what it means. But what it did mean was when they beat the mess out of them, they left rejoicing. Mm, powerful. It did mean that that when they were untouchable because they were their expectations were correct was that this is a two second slice of this earth and then I'm with him forever. Mm. It was a correct understanding and expectation of hey Jesus said that um, he's with me now until the end of age. I saw Jesus perform these things. I saw the power of Jesus. I know Jesus, and he told me this. So even though I'm in this courtroom, even though I'm getting whipped, even though I'm uh, getting shackled, even though I'm getting spit on, even though I'm getting crucified mm. upside down, Come on. he's with me now to the end he's of the age, me. and he is enough. Yeah. And so expectations is a major thing. And I want to close with this last scripture yep. that I have just because we've kind of hit a gamut which I thought was cool. It's yeah. like, I don't know that we Absolutely. plan to go in there, but, but it was really cool. And so this is Jeremiah 29, 11, very popular verse, but think about it in the con and now in the context of the scripture, they're ta- it's talking about, um, uh, Babylon and after 70 years. And so the, the context is that, but it also is a principle that, that God's saying this about his children, his chosen ones. And if you are a believer, the principle in this is applying to you. Uh, and so, but the context of me bringing up the scripture is us talking about expectations and all these different walks of life and resting in the Lord. Let's check this out. Mm. Jeremiah 29, 11. God says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And man, what a beautiful, mm. beautiful scripture, because not only does God 
I mean, the the grains of sand on a beach. He knows the he knows the number of them. He knows the mm. amount of hairs on your head mm. and, and hairs on my chin. From nothing bursts forth everything because he spoke. And this God over his people is proclaiming, I know the plans I have for you. Plans of welfare, mm. not to harm you, not to bring evil. Now, if that, if that, what is true, but if you believe that to be true, no matter your, your circumstance, your expectations can be that God's sovereign and he knows the plans for me. So as you're walking in, it could be a little easier to have grace on someone who doesn't trust you anymore. And it could be a little easier to remember that you caused that. It could be a little easier for you, family, to position yourself to be in a position and willing to allow them to earn trust back. It could be you, whoever it is, managing your expectations to know that God knows the plans for you. He's sovereign. It could be it could be jail or it could be penthouse. It could be uh, homeless. Carl, could be homeless. Uh, inside joke. Sorry, I don't know why I did that. Yeah. Um, inside joke with Carl that we talked about from uh, an episode that we're going to do. It could be all of these things. It could be all of these things, but God knows, and he's sovereign, and he's enough. Mm-hmm. He's enough. Mm-hmm. Just like he was enough, like the same power. The day of Pentecost hit, hit in Acts chapter 2 or Acts, the same the same power that it was at work, the same spirit that was in work in those disciples that said, um, I can't help but to speak about the things I've seen and heard. And we're going to kill you if you keep talking about Jesus. Do what you do. I got to talk about Jesus. And that same power that was in work in them is at work and alive in us. Yeah. Let's focus on that. Believe that. Have that as our expectation. Mm. And watch your life change, man. Watch, watch petty, nonsensical time-wasting ignorance fade away and watch if the productivity for the kingdom like come in. Yeah. It's not promising that it's going to feel good and you're going to drive a great car and you're going to be the popular, you're going to play in the NBA, but he's enough. Yeah. And not like, I don't even like saying he's enough because he's, he's more than enough. He's everything. The only place our ex- expectations should lie in the, is in the cross of Christ. Alone. That's it. And that's it alone. Alone. Take us out. Um, I'm going to paraphrase this verse. I don't remember the exact address. One of y'all helped me, but just let us not grow weary of doing good, uh, for we will reap, uh, we will reap good if we do not give up or, or we will reap if we do not give up. Um, and it's so true, man. Just stay steadfast. Um, stay diligent, stay faithful. Um, God is enough. He will fulfill every need and desire according to his will. Um, and he's faithful to his promises. Yeah. Match all of your expectations to the word of God. That's right. And you'll be in a good spot. Love you guys. Thankful for you. Uh, we got some cool things coming. Hey, if you have questions you want to ask us on the pod, info at springtolife.net. Uh, if you want to submit your videos, come on, uh, which, which <laughs> they're pretty funny. <laughs> uh, well, again, at the end of the quarter, we're going to knock those out and we're going to pick a winner to get a t-shirt, but we love you. God bless. And that's life. Life After Addiction is a production of S2L Recovery. If you have any questions you'd like answered on the podcast, email them to info at springtolife.net. That's info at spring, the number two, life.net. And for more information on addiction recovery, visit s2lrecovery.org.
This is Chris Christensen, and back in 2006, I started a simple project, a project to try and introduce more people to the Bible through Bible study called the Bible Study Podcast. It's a simple name and a simple idea. Each week, every week, we study one chapter of the Bible, talk about what it says and what that might mean for us today. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for the Bible Study Podcast on your favorite podcast app.